Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. Now, this episode features an excerpt from High End Finish, the first fixer-upper mystery by Kate Carlisle. It's read by local actor Casey Ballard. High End Finish was published in 2014 by Berkeley. In a high-end finish, the first book in Kate Carlyle's best-selling fixer-upper mystery series, contractor Shannon Hammer went on an epically bad blind date. It ended with her threatening to kill the creep, which was unfortunate considering that the creep was murdered the very next day and Shannon was the one who discovered the body. In this scene, Shannon and her best friend Jane meet for dinner to discuss the case and come up with a list of suspects. Oh, and if Fixer Up or Mysteries sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you saw one of the movies on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Yes, they are based on Kate's books. Uncle Pete greeted us with hugs and big kisses before taking us to our table. Jane and I ordered a half bottle of a good Sonoma Pinot Noir, an antipasti appetizer, and pasta pomodoro for the main course. A busboy brought a basket of crunchy sourdough bread and a crock of butter, along with water glasses and a bowl of briny olives. As soon as he left the table, Jane demanded answers. When I saw you Friday morning at the tea shop, you were traumatized by Jerry's attack. The next thing I hear a day later is that he's dead? What happened? How should I know? I popped an olive into my mouth. Why are you asking me? Because you always know everything. I leaned in and whispered, if you're asking whether I killed him or not, I didn't. Her eyes widened. Of course you didn't. Why would you even say that? Because there are people who think I did. Well, they're insane. I glanced around the restaurant, hoping nobody could hear us. Well, the police chief is one of them. <laughs> That's ridiculous, she said, laughing. Eric would never think that about you. He's a sweetie pie. A sweetie pie? Hmm, so you've met him. Of course I have, Jane said, smiling. We're neighbors. He couldn't be nicer. Hmm, sounds like you know him pretty well. He's been living here for two months, and he's kind of hard to miss if you know what I mean. Unfortunately, I do. The waitress brought our wine, and we both took hearty sips before continuing the conversation. What? Did you mean by that? Jane whispered once the waitress was gone. By what? You said, unfortunately. He hates me. It hurt to admit that. I set my glass down and took a slow breath. I was interrogated for hours the other night, plus some more today. In case you haven't heard, I'm the perfect suspect. That's crazy. It's not. Will you do me a favor and tell Chief Jensen how wonderful I am? I will, she promised. Oh, he just walked in. She jumped up, and before I could grab her, she dashed over to greet the chief. When he saw her, he smiled broadly and gave her a friendly hug. Apparently, Thor did have a warmer, friendlier side. I just hadn't been privy to it. I turned away so I wasn't watching and slugged down a long drink of cold water. I was taken aback, to say the least. I'd never seen him smile so easily. But who wouldn't smile at Jane, my tall, blonde, beautiful, easygoing friend? Seeing him smile like that was a revelation. 
Tonight, he wore a thick fisherman's sweater, casual jeans with faded boots, and a scarred leather jacket. The look was so appealing that it caused a little tempest of nerves and excitement to swirl around inside me. I shifted in my chair to watch them. Jensen continued to smile as Jane gestured with her hands and talked animatedly. But then his forehead furrowed. He leaned to his left and stared beyond her, right at me, meeting my gaze with a frown. Great. So she'd mentioned my name to him, and he'd instantly morphed from smiling guy to grouchy bear. So much for him being a sweetie pie. We managed to nod at each other. Jane glanced over her shoulder at me, and I signaled for her to come back. She said goodbye to the chief, and when she got to our table, I said, See? I told you, he hates me. She wore a thoughtful look as she sat down and reached for her wine glass. I don't think he hates you, Shannon. No, he just suspects me of murder, I said, and dolefully lifted my wine glass. Cheers. Over thick buttered bread and tangy antipasty, I told Jane everything that had happened since I saw her Friday morning until now. I replayed my adventures in the grim darkness of the boyer's basement, and then later in the interrogation room at police headquarters. When I was finished, I was a little winded, and my throat was so dry I had to drink down half a glass of water. I still say he likes you, Jane said as she casually chewed on a breadstick. I almost choked on the water. Did you hear a word I just said? I hissed. He interrogated me for over two hours. For good reason, too. I threatened the dead guy with murder and then tripped over his body. That makes me look really suspicious. One of these days, I expect Chief Jensen to show up at my house with a search warrant. She smiled softly. I expect him to show up with flowers and candy. Oh, Jane. I shook my head. Poor, sweet Jane. Jane was a big romance novel reader, and I'll admit she shared them with me occasionally. I found them enjoyable, especially the endings when the guy had to grovel to get the girl. But Jane took it to a whole new level. She was totally in love with the idea of romantic love, and yet I was pretty certain she'd never actually been there. High school crushes didn't count. I broke a thick chunk of bread into two pieces and gave her one. You've been inhaling too many paint fumes. It's affected your brain. She laughed. But after a minute of silent munching, we both agreed not to talk about the murder again. The restaurant was filling up, and I couldn't forget that Chief Jensen was sitting a mere 30 feet away. Yes, he was in the other room, but that was still close enough to make me nervous. As we drank wine and ate more bread, my mood gradually lightened. Our pasta was served, and we chatted about family and friends and the upcoming Harvest Festival Parade. I entertained her with my impression of Wendell Jarvik's attempts to make me carry all his luggage upstairs. I knew Jane wanted to ask me more about the murder, so when dinner was over, we walked the two blocks back to my house for ice cream. Once our bowls were filled with scoops of sea-salted caramel and chocolate mint ice cream, we sat at my big old kitchen table and Jane asked the questions that had been on her mind all evening. So, who do you think killed him? I have a list of names if you'd like to hear them. Very funny. I'm not kidding. Well, maybe we can go over them later. 
She skimmed her spoon over the scoop of caramel and nibbled it slowly. What did it feel like when you found the body? It was horrible, I said, remembering the terror I felt as I stood in that dank, dark basement. It scared the crap out of me. My first thought was that whoever knocked him off was still hiding down there and I was next. I shivered at the memory. I told her about tripping over the arm, then seeing the body, and then realizing that it was Jerry Saxton. Dead. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Once I was back outside, I had to call the police. So tell me for real now, she said. Who do you think killed him? I really do have a list of possibilities. The names are all in my head right now, but maybe it would help to write them down. I pulled out a notepad and handed it to Jane, who wrote as I spoke. I named every woman I'd heard of who had been linked with Jerry. The women's fathers and husbands and brothers would be out for revenge too, so let's add Louise's dad and her brothers, Buddy and Marco, to the list, along with Stan Boyer. Okay. When we were finished, she looked up at me. We know most of these people. I know, I said, feeling the guilt seep in. I'm sure they're all innocent, but so am I. So while I'd love to talk to them all, I can't exactly run around interrogating them, especially after what Chief Jensen said about me running my own investigation. Maybe you can't go around snooping, but I can, Jane said with a determined smile. And so can Lizzie and Marigold and Emily too. I can't ask you guys to do it. But I'd had the exact same thought when I was stuck alone in the interrogation room the other night. It made sense. Among us, my girlfriends and I knew every single person in town. Why couldn't we get some answers? But then I grimaced. No, it's too dangerous. In case you've forgotten, there's a killer running loose. What if they find out you're all asking questions? They could get angry or suspicious or worse. Come on, Shannon she said reasonably. You know everyone in town is talking about the murder. This is Lighthouse Cove. We thrive on gossip. We live for it. Let's take advantage of the situation and join in the conversation. We'll look perfectly innocent doing it, and one of us might find out something important that'll get you off the hook for good. I didn't want to pin too much hope on it, but I had to admit I was starting to lose some of the anxiety I'd been carrying around. The thought of doing something proactive was exciting, and it was nice to know that my friends might be willing to help. And you could be our liaison to Chief Jensen, I said brightly. Better Jane than me, after all. I didn't want to see what he'd do if I brought him more information, in air quotes, about other possible suspects. My pleasure, Jane took our bowls to the sink. I mean, it's not exactly a hardship to look at him. I have to agree. So why didn't Lizzie try and set one of us up with him? Or is he married? He is divorced, she said. And I have a feeling it was an ugly one. That's too bad. I know. That wouldn't have stopped Lizzie, though. The fact is, she did ask him if he'd like to meet some nice women in town, and he said, and I quote, No. I started to laugh. Just like that, he told her no. Pretty clear cut, right? She smiled. He had no idea that an answer like that would just embolden Lizzie. 
I'm afraid to see what her next move will be. Me too, Jane shook her head. But he's clearly not interested in dating right now. I agreed and allowed the subject to drop. Reaching for the notepad, I read off the long list of possible suspects. Jane helped me choose which of us five girls knew each person best and could get answers from them more easily than anyone else. When we were finished, Jane made phone calls to Lizzie and the others to set up a meeting the next morning at Emily's to go over our big plan. I wanted them to be comfortable with what we were thinking of doing. Jane assured me that they would. Putting down my pencil, I took a deep breath and let it out. We were taking action and I felt relieved. It was the first time I'd felt that way in days. This reading of High End Finish was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. High End Finish and other Fixer Upper Mysteries are available for purchase. And you can learn more about the book, the others in the series, on the author's website, katecarlisle.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Memley. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. KingsRiverLife.com and KRLNews.com. Now we'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it. This helps make us easier to find for others. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery.